teammates finally start speaking on the Jamal Adams situation. Madden ratings are out for two Jets rookies. And we start to identify the training camp position battles. Sable Radio 52, JetsXFactor.com. JetX for short. As discussed, we will uh, discuss Jamal Adams and two teammates now sticking up for him. Get into some Madden ratings. Uh, I know some of you scoff at Madden. I do at times, even though I used to play as a kid. But hey, with this new world, Madden could be the only game in town, depending on what happens. I know that's that's tough to think about, but it's actually possible. James Morgan, Denzel Mims, uh, they have their rookie ratings now, which is a big deal in the world of the NFL. And we identify some position battles as training camp is set to get underway pretty soon. Le'Veon Bell hopped on with Peter Rosenberg and Hot 97 on Friday. Le'Veon Bell's recent thoughts on Jamal Adams are quite revealing, as we wrote on Saturday, I believe it was. Now, if you notice, teammates throughout this whole Jamal Adams situation haven't really been speaking up. Uh, I mean, the only re- the only real Jet this offseason who said anything was Alex Lewis. Had nothing to do with Jamal Adams. It was a rebuff to Manish Mehta and his uh, reporting on Adam Gase and how the locker room felt on Adam Gase. But Bell, then Williamson, back-to-back this weekend, started speaking up about Jamal Adams and his situation. Is it a coincidence? Did it it just happen, come out of nowhere? Or was it kind of planned? Is Jamal now reaching out? Is he looking for an olive branch to re-immerse himself back into the training, uh, excuse me, back into the locker room, back into the culture of the Jets, understanding that he's not going anywhere and understanding that he wants to play football and he doesn't want to hold out? Is that what's happening? I mean, I don't think it's a devious plan, but is that what's happening where he's having these conversations and, you know, he, he lets the guys know, if you want to speak about, speak about it publicly, go for it. it. It could only help me get back into the good graces of everybody in Jetland. Do I need my head examined for thinking that way? Possibly. Maybe. Uh, you know, Occam's Razor says it's probably just Le'Veon Bell. Hopping on Hot 97 and speaking about the topic of the offseason, which is Jamal, and being completely honest. And Rosenberg catching Jamal a day after or two days after they just had a conversation, as Le'Veon said. Maybe not, though. I mean, think about it. Jamal Adams is hot. He's angry. He wants his money. For Le'Veon Bell, and we're going to get to the quote pretty soon, for Le'Veon Bell to discuss and reveal that Jamal Adams, he thinks Jamal Adams wants to be a Jet, and he just wants to get paid, doesn't that hurt his chances of getting paid in the eyes of the Jets organization? I mean, if the Jets know he's bluffing, even if they think he already is, if they receive that confirmation from Le'Veon Bell, doesn't that hurt Jamal Adams' chances of getting paid before the 2020 season? And if that's the case, if you're Jamal Adams, aren't you angry at Le'Veon Bell for saying that publicly? 
So the fact that it doesn't seem like Adams is angry, he could be privately. He's just not speaking about it publicly. But the fact that it hasn't been World War III since Bell's appearance on Hot 97 Friday leads me to believe the mending of the fences is happening right before our eyes. And Jamal's picking up the phone and having conversations with teammates and speaking with guys and telling them, hey, I want to be a Jet. You know the deal. This is business. I want to get paid too. And because us players, as per the CBA, have no power, I got to do everything I can to try to get paid. And if that means lashing out and talking about other teams like Dallas and, and going crazy and crossing lines that have never been crossed before, hey, we're the players. We need power. We need to progress this thing to a point where we do have our fair share of power. So that's what leads me to believe he's picking up the phone, having these conversations and Lev Bell and guys like Lev Bell and Avery Williamson are, they have no problem going public and, and trying to act as that olive branch to get Adams back into the fold. Bell with Rosenberg quote, I think he wants to be with the jets. I just think he wants to get paid. Um, end quote. Second quote. I think he's in the same situation I was three years ago. He's a young player, Bell said. He's been at the top of his top of his game, playing at a high level, and feels like, dang, I just want to get compensated. Again, there's that olive branch. There's that reel, that cast, trying to catch the fish. It's not a devious game. It's life. Guys will have conversations. It's July 13th right now. Training camp is two weeks away, folks. That is if we do have training camp. That is if we do have a season. So guys are going to start to have conversations as training camp gets closer. And through that, when public sessions happen, certain conversations and thoughts will get relayed to the public. If Jamal Adams didn't want those thoughts relayed... He tell his guys, his teammates, listen, don't say this publicly. I want to drag this thing out. I want to put the pressure on the Jets. And I want to make it tough, as tough as possible, no matter how close we are to the season. So considering Bell came out, said this is encouraging if you're a Jamal Adams fan who wants to see him with the Jets. Although, There's a lot of them who don't want him around anymore, which I could understand. Um, And Bill, think about it. Is he in the same situation he was? Is Jamal in the same situation Bill was three years ago? No, not even close. Bill, three years ago, played his fifth year on a franchise tag. He played out his four-year rookie deal as a second rounder in Pittsburgh Played on a franchise tag. Steelers tried to franchise tag him a second consecutive season. That's when he said, uh-uh, no more. I'm a six-year vet. I'm a running back. I got to get paid. I don't have a long shelf life. A lot of people could understand that. And even still, two of his teammates, offensive linemen, Marquise Pouncey or Ramon Foster, came out hard at him in the public. Former Jet... Snacks, Damon Harrison, said uh, a few weeks ago 
responding to someone on Twitter, will Adams' actions affect the way the locker room works? He said, no, everyone minds his own business. That's not true. We, we've hit on this on the podcast. In the public, that's mainly the case, but it's not true across the board, as you see here with Pouncey and Foster. And even Bell. Bell is discussing Jamal Adams, his contract. I mean, he's not doing anything in, in, a, in a terribly detrimental fashion, but telling the world he thinks Adams wants to be a Jet would hurt his chances in, in scaring the Jets to pay him. So even here, Snacks is wrong. So the, the nonsense that this financial contractual stuff has no effect on the team, the locker room, the way the, the air blows within the environment is completely ridiculous. Um, and Bell, when he held out three years ago, uh, it was after his fifth year. You could understand it. He also didn't make as much noise as Adams. And he kind of just sat out and waited his turn until the offseason. Did his hip-hop thing and called it a day. Adams, he's entering his fourth season. It's much different. I mean, think about the stardom from both players at the respective time of their unhappiness. They're both stars. And in fact, Le'Veon Bell was more uh, entrenched in terms of stardom. I think he was a two-time first-team All-Pro by the time he held out all of 2018. So credit the Jets' locker room culture for not having anyone call out Jamal during this time when he still has two years to go in his rookie deal. Bell, who was playing on his second consecutive, heading into the year where he's going to play on his second consecutive franchise tag, had two guys call him out. That goes a long way. Credit them. Uh, the last quote from Bell, me personally, I hope he doesn't get traded. But I don't think he'll get traded. I do think he'll be playing with the Jets. That's just me personally, because I don't think... He's going to get traded. Honestly, why would you trade him? I wouldn't trade him. Um, and finally, non-Adams related. Everyone talked about, quote, everyone talked about the offensive line and everyone talked about me not getting the ball. But damn, Le'Veon, were you at your best? He said, I can literally look at myself in the eye and said, no, no, I wasn't. Bell's one of those guys who asks himself the question and then answers it. You always run across some people like that. I actually do that from time to time. It's funny. But Le'Veon, you got to give him credit. He did everything perfectly last year off the field, in the locker room, as a leader. Everything. And, you know, remember that video? Was it after the trade deadline when he said he wanted to be a Jet? When people were talking about him being traded and it's just business and I'm not offended. It completely contrasted with the way Jamal Adams was acting, where he was taking it personally. So having Le'Veon Bell in the locker room is probably, as much as I did not want to sign the man, I did not want the Jets to sign him because of the running back salary cap ramifications. You just don't win by signing high-priced running backs. Look at the Chiefs and the Niners last year. Mostert and Damian Williams come on year after year. Just doesn't happen. Gurley came the closest with the Rams. Uh, Marshawn Lynch with, the, with Seattle. Uh, I think he was the fourth or fifth highest paid running back. That's the highest since God knows when. Even though I didn't want to sign, I didn't want the Jets to sign Le'Veon, 
he's been a blessing as a leader and especially for Jamal Adams. Jamal wanted him. He got him. And he's kind of that big brother who's been through it all. And he can allow Adams to, you know, learn and receive wisdom from the hip-hop workhorse running back. The second guy to speak out is Avery Williamson. Title, Jet X, he deserves to get paid. Avery Williamson hopped on with Janine Coakley of SNY, Geico Sports Night. That's right, Geico Sports Night. Not just Sports Night. And basically, in a nutshell, just said he deserves to get paid. You know, Jamal Adams requested a trade. He wants a new contract. What is your thoughts on this? And would you like to see Jamal be a Jet for life? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would love to see him back. You know, he's, Jamal, he's a phenomenal player. I feel like he's definitely uh, top safety in the league. Um, you know, he's, he's, he just, I feel like he deserves to get paid. You know, um, I understand his frustration. He wants to get paid. He's been having, he's had a phenomenal three seasons. Hoping that he's going to stay with us. Uh, hoping it all works out. Um, you know, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a business. It, it's definitely a business. And, you know, things don't work out like everybody wants to, like, like everybody wants them to. But um, I'm hoping that he's going to be a Jet for life. And uh, I've enjoyed playing with the guy. He talks a lot, but he backs it up on the field. He talks a lot, but he backs it up on the field. You could see a bunch of headlines coming from that regard with that last statement. Uh, but regardless, the, the meat of the sentiment here is after a month of no teammates saying a damn word, Le'Veon and Avery Williamson, both defensive players, have come out in support of Jamal. Coincidence? Maybe. You know, as training camp gets closer, there's going to be more media spots for these guys. But at the same time, it's a good sign. It's a good sign in thinking Jamal wants to re-immerse himself into the culture and organization, especially because he has not done much on social media over the last week. He's been very quiet and business as usual. Madden 21 reveals rookie ratings for Denzel Mims and James Morgan. Madden EA Sports, the game that has disappointed so many for so many years, has revealed the quarterback and receiver ratings, rookie ratings. That means Denzel Mims and James Morgan. Yes, the Jets just have one rookie receiver to the chagrin of many Jets fans. I think it's okay. The receivers are fine, as we talked about in the last episode. But interestingly, the ratings are right on par. Denzel Mims received a 70 overall, which put him tied for 11th at the position with Oakland Raiders' Brian Edwards and the Pittsburgh Steelers' Chase Claypool. Remember, Mims was the 13th receiver drafted, so putting him at 11th is pretty spot on. Speed, the all-important speed at 92. Only two rookies are ahead of him who are ahead of him in the overall rating. There are other rookie receivers who have a faster rating, but only the guys who are ahead of him, the 10 receivers, only two are faster. Henry Ruggs the third at 98, a ridiculous 98, and Jalen Rager with a 93. Overall, sometimes the Jets uh, players get screwed in Madden. Think about Madden 20 last year. I know this, Jamal Adams, was. they came out with those superstar X-Factor players 
or whatever you want to call it, feature. Jamal Adams was just a superstar, if I'm not mistaken. He wasn't a superstar X-Factor, which is absurd. He should absolutely be an X-Factor. Well, I think Le'Veon Bell and Mosley were X-Factors. Um, in, th- in that regard, sometimes the Jets get screwed. But here, pretty fair. James Morgan uh, comes in with a cool 60 rating. And if you're a Madden player, you're set at quarterback. You have Darnold, who will be solid. Uh, you'll have Flacco, who will also be solid, probably close rating to Darnold. And then Morgan is at uh, 60, which has him tied for 8th place with Cole McDonald. Throwing powers at 90, which is pretty good. And, uh, of course, Joe Burrow tops the list at 76, where Darnold should come in around. Maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit less. Uh, We shall see. Lastly, identifying a few position battles before training camp. We'll start at receiver. Bashard Perryman... Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder. Those are the three starters in the 11 personnel, uh, three de facto starters. And the number one guy, the, the guy with all the talent is Denzel Mims. He reminds me of A.J. Green. He could do everything A.J. Green could do talent-wise. He still has to prove it in terms of what's between the ears. Toe tap on the sideline, go up and get it at, at its highest point, uh, catch it in traffic. Um, I wouldn't worry about his drops in college when he was injured with the broken hand or hand injury. I'm not sure if it was exactly broken, but those three are the de facto three starters, but it's just Crowder and Perriman for sure. Right now, Mims has to prove he can read coverages and quickly establish himself on the first team. And until that happens, it's Mims, Vincent Smith, Josh Doxson and Braxton Berrios, those four battling for the third receiver spot. Yes, Crowder's the slot guy. Um, even though Adam Gase preaches, he doesn't want to have a traditional X, Z, and slot. He wants all three receivers to be able to play all three positions. Crowder's the slot guy. Berrios is the de facto number two slot guy at 5'9". Very similar to Crowder in stature and play type. But still, there's a world where Barrios, Perryman, and Crowder could be the three guys. That world exists. So Mims, Barrios, Vincent Smith, Doxon are battling for that number three spot when we enter training camp. Other guys like Jeff Smith, Josh Malone, and the undrafted rookies, Lawrence Cager and George Campbell, have to will have to rise before they earn themselves into that foursome battling for the three spot. On the offensive line, it's pretty simple. There are a lot of guys. Joe Douglas did a tremendous job in upping the competition for the offensive line this August. Offensive lines really, really get better and raise their ceiling, their development ceiling, when the competition is there, and there's plenty of depth. Injuries happen up there all the time. At right tackle, Chuma Doga and George Fant. Now, we could also throw in Mekhi Becton in there as well. At left tackle, left tackle, excuse me, Mekhi Becton and George Fant. Fant told us during the offseason on a conference call, he signed with the Jets because he wants to play left tackle. 
He wasn't shy about saying that. So on the offensive line, there's competition everywhere, literally everywhere other than center. Even at center, there's competition, but we know McGovern is going to start. McGovern is the only guy we know is going to start right now. At left tackle, it's Becton versus Fant. At right tackle, it's Adoga versus Fant. And throw in Van Rotten and McDermott. At left guard, it's Alex Lewis versus Cameron Clark. At right guard, it's Brian Winters versus Van Rotten. Throw Van Rotten in there at left guard. Van Rotten could play guard and tackle. You don't want him at tackle, but he can in a pinch. And at center, it's McGovern and Harrison. Pretty much, think of it like this. Oh yeah, Josh Andrews too. Throw Josh Andrews in there on the interior. And then undrafted Jared Hilbers on the outside. Think about it like this. It's going to be just battles upon battles for Frank Polak's unit this summer. Nine, ten guys could potentially start. And this is what Joe Douglas wants to see. He wants to see guys getting after it every day. Quarterback, no controversy. Running back, no controversy. Because all three guys are going to play. You know, I want to see Bell be used this year. But don't be surprised when all three guys play. The only question at running back is Trenton Cannon, the number four guy. Is it going to be Josh Adams or Trenton Cannon, or will they just carry three? Tight end and fullback, no questions whatsoever. Herndon and Griffin as the two tight ends. Wesco is the fullback. Daniel Brown is the third tight end. They'll probably carry four. On defense, at defensive line, again, there's no battles. Why? Because defensive line is a spot where you, especially the interior, is a spot where you rotate constantly. So in the interior, Quinnen Williams, Steve McClendon, Henry Anderson, Kyle Phillips, Nathan Shepard, Foley Fatukasi, those six guys are cemented and they will rotate all the time. The only question is, will Henry Anderson and Kyle Phillips play outside again this year? Will, will those tweener types play inside and outside like they did last year for Greg Williams? Uh, Greg Williams didn't have sufficient edge rushers. That's the reason. Will edge rushers step up to allow them to play the inside only? You don't want big guys, 300-pound guys on the edge. It doesn't work against Lamar Jackson, against his own read running, running schemes. Uh, no less rushing the passer. At linebacker, again, no controversy. Mosley and Avery Williamson. A lot of depth. Um, the edge is where the position battle will really kick in. Jordan Jenkins on one side, and on the other side, the battle will ensue between Terrell Basham, Jabari Zanuga, Harvey Lange, and undrafted Bryce Huff, who I think, if he can shock the world, would make the greatest difference on this roster. That's what they need most. An athletic play in space edge man. In the defensive backfield, at safety, obviously there's no position battles to be had. Adams, May, and Ashton Davis as the third safety. Although, you know, Davis could battle with Farley. Farley's more of a strong safety, so you want your third safety to be more of a free safety. Because when you go to the big dime, you could play Ashton Davis and Marcus May in the two deep and play Adams in the box. Um, and if you just go with a single high in the big dime, you could put Ashton Davis single high and then have May and Adams both 
in the box on either side. So I would say Ashton Davis is the third safety. At corner is where it's really going to be interesting. Brian Poole is the team's best corner, but he's a nickelback. He's the slot guy. Pierre Desir will probably already have a starting job based on the contract, based on uh, the experience at the position. At the other position is where it really gets interesting. Arthur Mallet. Mallet. Like he's French. He might be. I have no idea. Arthur Mallet. Bless Austin. And you could throw in Bryce Hall for sure. Those are the three. Quincy Wilson as well. Nate Hairston to a degree. And Pierre, Pierre Desir is not out of the woods completely. But for the most part, the, the number two spot is where the competition will really be. So when looking at the training camp battles, think about it like this. Offensive line will be a war. It will be guys going crazy, getting after it, bleeding, sweating as much as they can in today's training camp. It's not like the 80s where guys actually tackled and had, you know, had to endure physical contact. But the offensive line, the entire slate from left to right, even throw McGovern in there, even though he's probably the most likely to start. And then uh, wide receiver number three, because Denzel Mims has to prove himself. Um, and then you got the edge number two after Jordan Jenkins. And finally, cornerback number two after Pierre Desir. Those are the position battles to keep an eye out for once training camp starts. Still got two weeks. Hopefully everything goes as planned. We'll see. Uh, what's new at Jets X Factor? The most recent film breakdown by Joe Blewett is Pierre Desir, speaking of that guy. And it's on YouTube right now, youtube.com, Jets X Factor. Search for it in the search box. Uh, on the website, Michael Nania's most recent details... Greg Van Rotten and what he could bring to the table. How much is he actually improving the offensive line? Later, I'll have something on Greg Williams and how he tweaks his Tampa 2 defense, which is an interesting way he does it. Uh, sometimes he'll use a robber look with the single high safety and drop the corners. But the way he does it, it involves Brian Poole, and it's extremely interesting and it's, it's extremely effective. So we'll break down that film pretty soon as well. Until next time, Sabo Radio.